We found lucky episode 13 of Down and Nerdy when we do our marathons. It usually involves a remote control. But I really don't have cable, though, so how can I do Netflix, dude. Yeah, but I use my PlayStation 3 controller, dude. There's no sense of doing it. Well, either way. I'm James with them alongside. Nick Taylor, the Marvelous one Arm Wonder. And, of course, love the fact that you're liking us on Facebook, at DanandNerdy757 on Twitter. And we've actually got fan questions this week, which it, I'm we really do. excited well, about. Very X-Men related. We're going back to the Facebook. You know, 138 likes right there. We're almost at 140. Cosplay Tuesday. We're setting, a lot, setting up a lot of cosplay photos of people from cons. Actually got a nice... Uh, uh, Article from Nicole Very nice. Nicole from Action Pack Cosplay, writing about uh, the harassment and what goes on at cons and how you can kind of prevent that. Really interesting read. Definitely. Um, but no, overall, thank you very much. Twitter's taken off. We're taking off. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. Not to mention, if, if you're listening to this, of course, it's going to be after Cosplay Tuesday, and, yep. and you're just now hearing about this, go back and look at some of the cosplays from Cosplay Tuesday, because man alive. When I saw... There was some great, great cosplay. When I saw this, the the Spawn cosplay and the, and the Nightwing cosplay, and it was just, it, it's literally amazing. I was just happy that there was a Batman cosplay this week. Yeah, like no, not just an action, not just a Batman cosplay, but like a Batman in front of a freaking Batmobile which cosplay. Was, which is why I kind of did that too, because anybody can throw on. I mean, I've thrown on my Batman costume before. That, that's not necessarily cosplay. Well, I don't yeah. think Batman weighs like one sixty and has a goatee. That is true. That is that very is true. true. That might be a problem. Uh, yeah. But speaking of Batman, I think we should dive right in to what we're reading. Oh, exactly. This week was the, well, actually it was last week, was the finale of the Forever Evil arc from DC Comics. And overall, I think it was a really good arc, and I think they rounded it out really well. Great art by David Finch and Richard Friend. And even Sonia Obach, who contributed to the cover as well. Mm. Great colors there. And Jeff Johns did a really good job of writing this issue and basically you, th- you think that Nightwing is dead right that's where it starts off and figure okay this is how they're going to do it this is how they're going to end Nightwing but then Lex Luthor says no it was it was cardioplegia and he used the pill to stop his heart temporarily so the bomb didn't go off so he brings him back to life and basically you know Batman can calm down because he almost killed Lex Luthor <laughs> now the thing that's interesting though is that you know the crime syndicates from Earth 3 and it's alternate versions of all these characters. Ultraman is Superman and such. If you haven't been reading Forever Evil, everybody's got their alter ego. Right. Well, the one that they were trying to keep under wraps, the one that the crime syndicate was so afraid of, was Alexander Luthor. Is that Luthor's son? It was basically... No, it's Lex Luthor's version of him from that universe. Oh, okay. Or three. So basically, picture like a long-haired, goateed Lex Luthor. So, like, Thor... It was very Thor-esque, esque. actually. It was a very Thor-esque version of Lex Luthor. So, basically, his thing is, whoever he kills, right. he absorbs their power. Oh, okay. So, he's absorbed... So, he, so he's like Shang Tsung, pretty much. Kills the guy, so it was a soul kind of thing. Yeah, kind of very... So, every crime syndicate member that he killed over in their universe, he absorbed their power. Okay. So... Basically, that's why they're afraid of him. So he goes out, and he's absorbing these powers. And then the other side is, first, you've kind of got Lex Luthor's group, and they're fighting the crime syndicate, and it's Batman's group that's actually trying to free the Justice League. And I don't want to go too deep into it. I'll hit on a couple of the points, because there's a lot going on in this issue. One of the things that I thought was kind of weird was when they go to free the Justice League. Mm. And basically, they're going to use Wonder Woman's Lasso of Truth to get the Justice League outside of the Firestorm Matrix. Right. Now, they're going to have Steve Trevor do this because that's, you know, that's Wonder Woman's ex there. So they've got mm-hmm. a connection. And so Batman takes the lasso because Trevor's not there. And he says, I'll do it. Diana and I go way back. 
And, and it kind of gives you that whole, wait a second. Like, what exactly does he mean by that? So, you know, I saw a little chatter on social media. They're trying to allude that there's a relationship there. And I'm like, mm. ah, pump the bricks. They've been and friends then, for a and while. And then Maury comes out and tells me he's not the father. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, fantastic. it's like, pump the brakes a little bit, people. I, I don't really think that that's what they're going for. It was weird, though, to see Batman and Lex Luthor shake hands at one point. Yeah. Because Batman didn't really trust him. Yeah. Because it's Lex freaking Luthor. Why <laughs> would you trust him? So, they shake hands and go their separate ways. You go fight the syndicate. I'll go free the justice. Right. But the battle between, because Batman's altar from that universe, Owlman, comes in. And his thing, he wants to team up with Richard Grayson again. That's what he wants. He doesn't want the crime syndicate to win. He just wants Richard Grayson back because in his universe, he dies. Right. So he wants to. And there's a little bit of a battle between him and Batman's group. Doesn't really last very long. The only misstep in this issue for me really was that it was just awkward. It didn't need to be there. I understand that they wanted to get that whole angle of, you know, he's Batman's alter. He wants to team up with Richard Grayson again. I just thought that was a little bit of an awkward thing. I mean, but it's awkward. But then again, you said that this sets up the Grayson arc. It does at the end. And that's the beauty. Well, at the end of of kind of the Justice League. Because you had had Forever Evil and then Justice League 30 was there too. So they kind of all tied together. But one of the cool things was was then that when there were these battles, especially with Lex Luthor's group, I mean, basically the the version of Firestorm from their universe is named Deathstorm, and he gets his skull crushed mm-hmm. at one point by Alexander Luthor. And this guy, he's like the ultimate badass that's <laughs> trying to... It, but it's a group of villains, but he's trying to kill them because he wants their powers. Right. So he's more evil than that evil. So he's taken down Ultraman, but here's the thing. He's absorbed the powers of Shazam at some point, too, from their universe. So basically the way they end up taking him down is they stab a lightning rod into his heart. (laughs) And Lex Luthor, who sounds just like Alexander Luthor, calls for that. It's Shazam backwards. It's very... Jason Statham Crank 2-esque. <laughs> and basically they dri- he drives the, this lightning rod into his heart and electrocutes him and basically stops his heart by electrocuting him and he dies. Oh, okay. But now the crime syndicate's happy about this because they're like, that's our biggest threat. Now he's dead. I should give you credit. Well, how do they get rid of Ultraman, who's the head of the crime syndicate? Black Adam and Sinestro move the eclipse away from the sun mm-hmm. that weakens Ultraman opposite of Superman kind of like a Bizarro thing yeah now there is a version of Bizarro in this that, that gets killed as well Lex Luthor is very attached to it because it's his creation and it's kind of like Lex Luthor's transformation from bad guy to good guy it's kind of weird how you can kind of see it shifting and at the end of the issue he helps somebody out where he was going to absorb this kid's father's company and he says no you keep it he'd want you to run it it's like wait this isn't Lex Luthor what's going on here so it was almost like the whole lead up to Forever Evil yeah they finally defeated the crime syndicate and Lex Luthor at the end of the issue also operates on Superman to save his life Wow, that's wild because Atomica stuck that small piece of kryptonite in his brain and that's what weakened Superman in the first place Mm -hmm. so to Lex Luthor operating on Superman to save his life. Now, now, that, to me, was the big now, thing. Now, that question. Out. Now, I haven't read Forever Evil arc at all. Now, art-wise, how is the art looking? Like, especially when you do talk about like, he's do, pretty much doing brain surgery on Superman. How does the art look per se? Is it very detailed, or is it very Silver Surfer-esque, or it's not that great? Oh, it was. It was. I wouldn't go as far as great. It was very good. The the pencils, especially. 
by David Finch were, were very good. The details there. He knows how to draw all the characters. And I right. think the challenge here was because this is the Earth 3 version of the Justice League and they're evil. So, I mean, Ultraman looks like Superman, but you need that differentiation. Right. And I think they did do a very good job with that because, you know, Owlman doesn't look exactly like Batman. It's right. a different suit and it's a different thing. But certain differentiations, like Superwoman needs to look different from Wonder Woman. And I think that they did a, a really good job with that. And I like the fact that they set up the next thing because they think, okay, what's the next biggest threat? What could be worse than this? So then they're thinking Darkseid. Wrong. The Anti-Monitor from the Green Lantern universe shows up, and he's basically your world killer. Yeah. So it turns out the Anti-Monitor is looking for Darkseid because he wants to take him out. Right. So now you've got the possibility of Darkseid coming in and the Anti-Monitor, and Hal Jordan's been missing from this entire thing. Does he come back into the fold? The uh, Earth-3 version of, of Green Lantern's power ring dies so the ring has to find another ring bearer, but this time it's on Earth, in our version of Earth, or, or I should say their version of Earth, that finds another host in Justice League. So they've actually set up quite a few different things that they can go from from this. So I think that that's why it was a good way to end the arc. They rounded it out nicely with a lot of things that they finished with good writing by Jeff Johns, but they also immediately set up where they're going to go from here. Yeah, okay. Now, going away from the big two, DC and Marvel, I went the, I guess you can say the independent route when it comes oh, to yeah, Image. Definitely. You definitely did. Uh, so I decided to, now this is a series, a book series I actually wanted to been, pick up for months. And I kept going back to Bob at Fancy Escape and be like, hey, is this book in yet? Like, I've been waiting. It's been a month. Turns out you're not the only one. I'm either. not the only one. And Bob's like, yeah, man. It's like they're just postponing it. They're just going. It's Saga. And Saga was, it's, it's really different from what I'm normally reading. Uh, you know, normally it's the whole hero's aspect and everything like that. But this one, I mean, it started, now they're already on chapter 19. And as you mentioned, why is it taking so long for them to be released? Well, it's weird because, like, one t- like the last release would be, like, March of this past year. So they, went, they go, like, on two months without... It's like a, kind of like a bi-monthly, almost a bi-yearly. It's almost like they're building that anticipation with each coming issue. And they do it pretty well. Now, how I have I heard of Saga? I was listening, listen, listening to another podcast on a different site, and they were one of the books they were mentioning was Saga. And I'm like, oh, this sounds pretty interesting, and it is. And it's written by Brian K. Vaughn and the art by Fiona Staples. Now, the art, it's not bad. It's, it's average. I'll say it's okay. So it's not a deal breaker. It's not a deal breaker. It's not like Daredevil poor. It's not piss poor like Daredevil where like you look at it like, wow, this is absolute trash. You pick up that cover and you just know that this is not good art. The plot, now this has written by Brian K. Vaughn. Now, the way he came up with the plot is actually pretty interesting because he said it's more like an inspiration of um, his marriage and his birth of his child. Interesting. So he pretty much based the characters around his family. Um, and it's an epic space opera and it's heavily influenced by Star Wars Game of Thrones, and it even has like a Romeo and Juliet type feeling, mm-hmm. and here's why, because it depicts two lovers from a long warring extraterrestrial races, and their names are Elena and Marco, and they're fleeing authorities from both sides of the galactic, like they're chasing them down pretty much, so they've escaped a planet, they're going to another planet to live on, Interesting. and they're being hunted pretty much. So it's almost all like in Star Wars how the rebels had to flee yes. and hide in different spots, so I can see where they got that information and, from. The sides, now the two sides are of course the planet Landfall, and there's a moon called Rith, Rith. And chapter 19, now like I said, chapter 19, I haven't started. This is the first time. And you're like, okay, 
again, going back to Captain Marvel, I dove in mid-arc. I'm like, oh, God, is this going to be, it's like... hard, yeah. Hard. No, it was actually a very easy transition. Again, it was one of those comics where you can pick up, and it's, like, midway through, boom, I can just start right here. I mean, you can, I mean, but the thing is, this comic is so good. It's so funny. It's so greatly written that I actually want to go and pick up, like, the graphic novel parts, like, like the, the, the packs so of them. catch up, So yeah. I can catch up on all other 18 chapters. And... You know, so it's like, like I said, the art's really, as I said, the, the dialogue is really great, because the first page you open to, and it's like, you hear, like, a narrator go, like, one more push, and pretty much just like this robot princess giving birth, and to a robot baby. That's hilarious. <laughs> and it's hilarious. And it's very, I'll say this right now, it's very heavy language. If you're somebody who's like, oh, I don't like swearing. First, I'll say, get over it. Second, I'll say, don't read this comic. Know what you're getting into before yes. you jump into an arc, you <laughs> For, know? And there's this alligator who's a nurse and says to this robot janitor who's, like, mopping the floor. After, now, this is after the princess gives birth and pretty much says, the bloody port, quote, the bloody portrait artist will be here any minute now. Would you kind of do something about that disaster in there? <laughs> I was <laughs> laughing my ass off when I was reading that. Oh, it's good stuff. But it's it's really witty writing. Now, the chapter centers on, of course, Atlanta and Marco, and they're hiding on planet Gardena, and Atlanta's getting fired from her job, and it's just pretty much like, you know, we're trying to keep a low profile, but you're doing this job at a TV station, and you're on stage, people can see you, and it's like... You know, why do you think people haven't found us? You know, they're saying people are, are after us, but why do you think we haven't seen any wanted posters here? Because, well, A, because the planet hasn't really chosen sides in the war, and B, it's strictly because of the fact that, um, you know, it, like I said, uh, they're, in, they're in hiding, and they're pretty much, you know, you can't really find them. Um, but it's a really interesting comic. It's, it's like, it's something I'm definitely going to keep in my poll, because it's just, it, it's different, Um you know, I'm trying to find a couple new comics to get into the independent game, you, but it's pretty interesting. Do you think part of it is that it, it just feels like it's it's an easy read, not be, not that it's dumbed down dialogue, but that it, it makes you want to keep going? I won't say it's an easy read. I'll say it's a more refreshing read. Yeah, I guess that's a better because, That's kind of what I was trying because, to get Because at. when you're looking at like the stuff I'm reviewing every week, where it's like superhero this, superhero that, superhero this, and you go on this, okay, it's more like a space, kind of galactic mm-hmm. kind of a thing, and it's like, man, this is... It's a refreshing read. It's something that you know you pick up and you're like, "Wow, I really like this." That's like, what it's I was. Refreshing. That's what I was really hoping with when I was when I did Tomb, Ra- Tomb Raider a couple weeks ago. I was really hoping for something very similar to what you described. So I'm glad that it worked out with Saga. But and by the way, did you speaking of Tomb Raider? Did you actually follow Cody's advice and look I'm, at issue two? I'm still looking for issue two. I think I got Bob at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards working on that for me because it's been out for a while so now I gotta he didn't have it on hand so now I gotta go find it but I will seek it out I will give it one more try I'll let you know on our Facebook just, page facebook.com slash down and nerdy how it goes when you're talking about like oh I had Bob he's like hunting it down it's like I'm picturing Bob like in Indiana Jones in the and Raiders of the Lost Ark, when he's going through all the tomb, there's like this Tomb Raider comics in there, and he pulls it, and this big, like, giant, fat Joe Quesada comes running after him, and... and that would be the scariest thing ever. It'd be. It's worse than the boulder. It, wor- ten times worse. It's worse than the boulder. Wor- ten times worse, because Joe Quesada actually has a mouth and a voice, and he can talk, and he destroys comics for everybody. Well, unfortunately, I think Joe Quesada's really happy at the performance of X-Men Days of Future Past this past weekend. We're going to dive into that review and nerd news coming up, too, on Down and Nerdy. And we're right back here on Down Nerdy, everybody. And X-Men Days of Future Past, James, came out this weekend. This was pretty much, I mean, you had Spider-Man come out, you had Godzilla, but this was really the first release 
that was of epic proportion. This was like, okay, this definitely can do like 100 million in its first week. Now, it fell short, but however, it, it did take the fifth overall ranking for Memorial Day weekend openings, which was fantastic. It grossed over the weekend 91.4 million domestic. Now, that's without the, that's three day weekend. That's without then the, add the extra the, day. Then add, the, then add Memorial Day, $111 million. Now, worldwide, Three hundred two million. That's not bad for a movie that showed on four thousand screens. That's pretty awesome. And I think I remember saying last week before we talked about it that I kind of ballparked it at seventy five million. Yeah. And it exceeded what I thought it was going to. I do. thought it was going to do maybe like eighty five, ninety. Um, because like I said, because it is Memorial Day weekend, there are people out of town, they're going to the beach. It was a nice weekend here in Virginia. It goes to the nice air conditioned theater, but it's not bad. Like the, like actually, the theater I went, in, I went on to see it opening day. Um, I still want to see it in the afternoon. Actually, towards yeah, late afternoon, and it was pretty packed. Um, you know, it was almost sold out, and it was just. I'll say this really quick, parents: when you take your children to see a movie, tell them in advance to shut up, because there is a because no, there's a group of kids like 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 watching the movie and everything's happening. You know, fighting going like, oh no way! And I, I turn back at them, I give a death stare, and they shut right up. So mm. I'm like, hey. I paid ten dollars. I'm you're gonna shut up and I'm gonna enjoy my movie here. I will say this: I had I had crying baby in my theater. Well, you also had a baby in the womb because you were expecting. Right, but. and he was kicking up a storm during the whole movie. My wife said that he was really kicking up a storm. So I think I got a little X Men fan going. In there. Well, I mean, he is your son. If that child pops out of, your, out of the womb and he's not a nerd at all. That's just going to be, like, devastating. That kid might pop out with a cape on. I'm starting to wonder. <laughs> and a mask will fly out The way out of he's the been womb. kicking around, i got to tell you, I, I can't <laughs> be so sure. But, I mean, i, I got to say that I, I, I said a long time ago that I thought this could be the best of all the X-Men movies. Yeah. Am I prepared to say that? No. No, but it was a pretty darn good movie. And especially, I think that after the disappointment... Of Spider-Man and the disappointment you had with the Godzilla, that just magnified how good this movie really was. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at all the past movies, and one thing, and this is gonna be a spoiler-heavy review. Yeah, be ready for that. So don't, you know, get pissed at us because, like I said, we always always tease us every week that we're gonna do this. But if you do, it's a review. But if you you do write and say, "Oh, you guys spoil it," we tease us every week. We're going to send the Fleet Sentinels to your house and destroy you and your family. Right. So don't complain on our Facebook page that we ruined the movie for you. And we've seen what they can really do, too, so yes. watch out for that. Oh, yes. Um, but no, I think that with Days of Future Past, now it starts off you know, in dystopian New York future. Um, you know, And I'll say this right now. All the X-Men, when they show them getting killed by the Sentinels, like, dude, I, f- I, was, I wept. It was tough. I mean, especially when you watch Iceman get his head knocked yes! off and then crushed by one of the Sentinels. That That's rough, especially since, first of all, you're so excited to see Iceman back on film in the first place. Well, because he's doing the ice slide, and you're like, oh, childhood, yes, yes and great. You're, you're so excited, and then all of a sudden he gets his head grabbed, he gets and heated up, and he gets crushed. Now, people are saying, well, wait, how does he get his head heated up? Well, the Sentinels in this way, now, I'll say this right now, this movie is very loose canon-based. Oh, so Cody so. would be pissed because he's Mr. I, I've noticed a thing with Cody where now it doesn't have to be 100% canon, but he, I think maybe 98% of it needs to be canon for well, him. Cody's always said if you're going to do it different, give me a reason to yeah. like this new version. And I, I feel that way too, and I think that they did that. Yeah. But I'll get into that a little bit but, more later on. But the reason why that the Sentinels are able to do this is because they're, they're 
able to adapt because the reason why they go back in time isn't to kill or stop Bolivar Trask. No, they go back because Mystique ends up killing Bolivar Trask right. at that, like a UN meeting. That sets the whole thing And in by doing that, she's captured and they experiment on her and they get her DNA and that's how they could do the Sentinels because they put in the DNA so where they can adapt to whatever right. mutant they're fighting. Remember that that's what kick-started the Sentinel program in the first place because the government kept saying, no, 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 we're not going to use these Sentinels. So, but then when he gets killed, that's when the government says, well, well yeah, we do need him now. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, so they're trying to like, you know, Bob Atras was played by Peter Dinklage. Um, he, wow. Like, his portrayal is just like, you know, there's a scene where he's dissecting, he's like a mutant gene, DNA and blood. And Stryker, pretty much, a young Stryker comes up to him and says, you really do hate mutants, do you? He goes, no, I'm fascinated by that. Right. And so it's like, okay, he's not really totally much of a jerk. I mean, he does have, he does have an agenda he's trying to push. Yeah, know? definitely. Well, I mean, it's part of it's all about the almighty dollar, too. Let's not yeah. throw that out there. But, again, so, so there's some bad time to pretty much stop Mystique from killing Trask. And, of course, you know, Wolverine goes back in time. And, of course, in the comics, Kitty Pryde goes back. And remember when I said a few shows ago that my biggest fear was that it's going to be a Wolverine-generated film because it was coming off of the Wolverine? Mm -hmm. Not at all. Nope. And I actually think that they did a great job of explaining why it had to be Wolverine because his mind could repair itself and it wouldn't get ripped apart because they, the whole thing was Kitty Pride says, well, you can't go back that far. The mind can't take it. It'll just get ripped apart. And they said, well, what if your mind can regenerate? So it was Wolverine's rapid healing factor that made it make sense that he's the one that goes back in time. Right, and it's pretty... I mean, you know, he he, you know, he wakes up and he's got the bone claws back. He's got the adamantium claws. Right. And he goes back to the 1970s, 1980s. And it's just like... Yeah, it, was, it was 70s. 70s. It was 73. Yeah, and, you know, it, it, the, the way that they did this, the whole story of him having to, you know, get Charles Xavier and Magneto. And we, I think, you know, we see Charles is like, you know... Xavier School's closed. He's pretty much given up. You know, he's he's handed in his mutant powers so he can walk because Beast creates a serum that injects... He Same injects one from first class. Yeah. And literally, when he shows him with the, with the thing, it's literally heroin, pretty much. It's what it looks like. It's almost junkie-esque yeah. when he's putting it into his body. Professor X, I mean. But, I mean, you know, and so he's just like, oh, I don't want to, you know, really, you know, I've given up kind of thing. And you know, Wolverine's like, well, you know, I'm sent from the future, so 50 years from now, you know, or whatever... This is, you know, the, the professor Xavier I knew didn't give up on me. Right. And so he's, so, you know, it's kind of like finding himself again. That's a common theme, too, because, I mean, he kind of sells him on it right away, and then there's another point in the middle where he wants to give up with the uh, cerebrum. Yeah. And, um, and he, that doesn't work, and it blows out, and he wants to give up again, and then Wolverine says, look, you know, I was your toughest student, and you yeah. turned me around, so. I'm going to turn you around. Exactly. And, you know, the way this is. It is, and like I said, you know, going back to all the mutants getting killed, it's like, wow, just the, the musical score they had behind it, it matches up with the death so perfectly. It's fantastic. The fight scenes were well choreographed, amazing. Especially right there at the end when you see, and it's from the credits, so you kind of know that it's coming, that Storm's going to get nailed from behind by one of the Sentinels, and just the way they do it, and even the motion of it, and then when they bring oh, the score Phrasing. In. She's getting nailed behind from a sentinel. Well, you know. Stabbed. Phrasing, dude. Stabbed. I was going for the last literal interpretation. This is, this is a family show, dude. Last literal interpretation. Okay, but still. Okay. Because I've said stabbed, they, they come in quick to your mind quicker. You guys say, oh, she's getting nailed from behind by a sentinel. Well, I mean, we're talking about robots and humans here, and we're not, well, mutants. 
robots and mutants, so we're not going that far away. Well, I mean, have you seen Japan, the technology that they have? It scares me. It does. It scares I me. I cry I don't night. even want to think about it. I shake. But anyway, she gets thrown over the side of the wall, and just as she's falling, the way that they're doing the score, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. But I think overall, though, you look at this movie, and uh, it's just... No, like I said, the pacing while it didn't drag, it's a well over two-hour movie. Um, and it's just, like I said, it gives you enough of everybody, so it's not like they're not neglecting any of the characters at all. I'm just going to say Quicksilver. Yeah, wow. dude. For such a short time in the movie, what a huge impact <laughs> this Quicksilver character made. Well, the thing is, too, is when Quicksilver was first released, he's wearing like the silver jacket, his hair is all gray, and he's, he looks like a, a, like a hipster kind it's of... It's a steampunk look. Yeah, and everybody's like, and everybody's like, oh, really, they're going to mess him up. He was the best part of the movie, I think. He was. And it's not that it was a bad movie and you were looking for something to be no. good. He was the best part of a because good movie. Because you're expecting it to be bad and end up being great. I mean, when you can take time in a bottle mm -hmm. and make an amazing, hilarious oh scene. Oh my gosh. It's great. When he's turning the fists and touching the cheeks and yeah. turning the bullets and everything, that's... It was It was magic. It, was it really was magic. It was really great. I mean... You know, they had a little bit of, you know, the, they, they referenced the House of M, you know, yep. and, and and it was really, really interesting, really, really great. Mm. And I want to say this right now, the girl that in the end of the movie towards, when Magneto's giving his big speech, it's not Scarlet Witch. No, no. <laughs> it's not. Because they're supposed to be twins, remember? Yes. These are supposed to be twins. She was cut out of the movie. You, We can confirm that. You do not see or even hear mention of Scarlet Witch in this movie. As a matter of fact... They don't even call Quicksilver Quicksilver. It's but, like they're very careful not to. And the reason why I, I say it is because we brought this up before we even started recording. Um, I said and the reason why I think they didn't say Quicksilver is because Marvel, it's one of those one-offs, kind of like those trades that they made, mm -hmm. you know, where, where Marvel's like, okay, we won't call them mutants in the Avengers, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but we get the name Quicksilver. We get the name Quicksilver. I'm going to tell you right now, though. This guy, I can't remember the name, his name off the top of my head. The guy that's going to play Quicksilver in Age of Ultron. Aaron Taylor Johnson. He's got some big shoes to fill. Yeah. Because they really just, this launched Quicksilver, I think. It really, really did. And like I said, you know, Magneto was, Michael Fassbender as, as Magneto was fantastic. He, he's always good. And speaking of Magneto, now there's comic runs. They, there was an article that was posted about like what comics you got to get into after you see this. And the Magneto arc that I'm reading, which mm -hmm. I'm going to give you after the show to read, is they said this is something you got to read because it pretty much picks off after Days of Future, Future's End. Right. Days of Future's Past. Right. So yeah, it's it's very interesting that I can't wait to start reading that and dive because I've always been fascinated by the, the Magneto character anyway. He's always been one of my favorite X-Men, even though he was the villain kind of thing. So I'm very interested to dive into a solo Magneto thing. But we actually did get a couple of fan questions yeah. about Days of Future Past and I think we kind of answered one of them already how will they pull off Quicksilver in Age of Ultron and can they calm Quicksilver so we covered that so here's another interesting one from Ken where he says does this mean that Wolverine never gets his adamantium skeleton no and here's why because if you look at the scene where he's on the boat where after he gets impaled with, from a, you know and pays him with steel rods he's lifted up onto the boat and he drowns he actually he drowns, drowns. Um, Stryker's on the boat and says I'll take him now, the thing, and this is where our next question comes in, and it actually comes from my wife. She says, because you see in his eyes that's not Stryker, it's actually Mystique. Yeah. So she says, okay, well, does that mean that Mystique is the one that tortured Wolverine the whole time? No. Mm -hmm. What she's doing is, is she's ensuring that he still gets tortured. Because if you think about it, him falling in to that, to that water, which I'm assuming is the Potomac. Yeah. I'm assuming that since they're in D.C. So he drowns in there. If he drowns... 
that changes the timeline. Now, I'm not saying it. she's doing it to correct the timeline. I'm saying she's doing it because she still wants him to get tortured. Yeah. She wants him to get captured by Stryker, and Stryker's the one that ends up torturing Wolverine and experimenting on him. So, yes, he still gets the adamantium claws, and no, it's not Mystique. With that being said, the end credit sequence, there's only one, and it's at the literally at the end of the credits. And it's a quick one. And it's a quick one, but it sets up the third installment of this. Pretty much, I would say... Granted, it been like a ton of films, but I would say at least for a trilogy-wise, it sets up Apocalypse. I think that's what they're going for, too, is, is I think a trilogy. Because then I think they're going to do some Origins movies, too. Yeah. I'm looking at the, the Gambit origin, possibly, with Channing Tatum. But when you see, when you hear the chanting, and you see this pyramid being put together really quickly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you look, and who do you see? A young Apocalypse. Ugh. And... If you look over his shoulder to the left, you see the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yep, exactly. So you say Gambit tie and everything. Gambit was one of the four horsemen. Angel was one of the four horsemen. Wolverine at time was there. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways that they can go with this. It's going to be a really interesting way to bring it back in to the Marvel Universe with Apocalypse. Right. Well, that's going to do it for this segment of Trailer Talk. We hope you like our review of X-Men Days of Future Past. Come up next, it's nerd news. You won't want to miss it. you got a lot of great and pretty interesting topics coming up. Stay tuned. More Down Nerdy coming up next. And now it's time, boys and girls, nerds and nerdettes alike, to go around the internet because it's time for what, James? Nerd News. And our first group of questions. This is a group of stories we and everything. We had to put this together. What the hell is going on at Marvel? Ah, Jeez. First, uh, first big one, of course, is Agarite leaving Ant-Man over creative differences. That's big. That was uh, announced, uh, what, Friday was announced? I think it was, yeah. It and was over the weekend. Now, the, Marvel has come out and said that the decision to move on, um, you know, that doesn't impact the June, July 17th, next year's release date, um, and it already had been slated for November 6th, 2015. Right. So, I mean, now this is a movie, now a lot of people are saying, well, it had production issues, it was in production since 2006. Well, you hear the words creative differences, that's yes. never a good thing you want to no, hear. No, and I think when you look at Kevin Feige and Joss Whedon and James Gunn all supporting I mean, Edgar look at the Wright. picture that Joss Whedon tweeted. Oh, yeah, where he's holding the uh, the, 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 the bar. That's... The three flavors of Cornetto kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, if, if he's supporting him, there's something But that's what a lot of people are saying. They say, well, these three guys, especially Fight You, who's ahead of Marvel, oh, yeah. is, is pretty much saying, you know, uh, hey, we support him and had his back entire way. It's Disney. Disney made the call. Disney was, they're like, we want, they want, apparently, they want more universe characters in there. And they, they and plus they said the final straw was when they gave the script to be rewritten yeah. by two much lower ended writers. Yeah, that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I just I don't know what Disney's thinking with this. And let's be honest with ourselves, it's not like Ant Man is a top flight character in his own right. No. So I don't know why Disney would feel like they need to take the reins here and make these calls. I mean, I understand you want other you want other universe characters involved in a certain sense, but. This was the problem that people are talking about, worried about with the Justice League movie. You can't just throw yeah. people in there just to throw them in there. It's not necessarily going to make sense. Falcon worked in Captain America 2. So did Black Widow. It worked. Don't just throw people in there to throw them in there. And I think that's the danger. And if that's what Disney wants to do, look well, out, man. Well, now, you know, you mentioned you want to throw in those characters. Well, Ant-Man, you know, it said 2006 was in production. It's when it right. started pre-production. It's been a while. But... 
originally, though, this is before the first Iron Man came out and created the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So Ant-Man originally was supposed to be just a one-shot kind of a thing. It was supposed to be like its own entity of a film before the MCU was created. And now they have this. They're like, we want this in there, this in there, this in there. And, it's, and like I said, you don't take away something like from Edgar, Edgar Wright and you know, no. and, and Joe Cornish you know, to, and just say, here, we're going to give it to some other people. No, you don't and, do that. It's a big I mean, shot by Marvel. I know they say that it's not going to delay anything, but I think that if you do not make this announcement soon... It's, how could it not? But now, while we say that, we do want to know that as of right now, they have not mentioned, as we record this on yeah. Tuesday, they have not mentioned who. They said they have another director penned to take over for a ride, but they did not mention who it is. Some people say it's Joe Cornish might take over. Drew Goddard. No, Drew Goddard. Like Daredevil could happen. And that's the other thing. What about Daredevil? Yeah. That, that series is now in turmoil because Drew Goddard left that series as well. But at least... They went ahead and they picked up somebody else. They've actually got Stephen... Is Stephen S. Knight Stephen from S. Spartacus? Yep. That's taken over now. So, yep. I mean, but still, it's to your point, what in the world? And why is Latino Review connected to pretty much all of these stories? Have you noticed that, yeah. too? It was the Daredevil story. It was the Ant-Man story. So, I mean... Yeah. And Marvel... As I don't get it. And with the Ant-Man, like you know, they said it, and Marvel came out... Or no, for the Daredevil stuff, when Latino Review came out with it, said, hey, he's leaving... Marvel, less than an hour later, said yes. Yeah, that was a quick he's, one. He is leaving. And he's going to take over the Sinister Six stuff and, and everything like that. But it's just, you know, what's going on? I, I think, and you mentioned this too, James, you know, you look at the Daredevil and how people are leaving, but he's got a person going to step in and, and do it. But you look at this, and it gives off a thing of, like, Marvel has got this point where, like, our movies are too big to fail. And you and I have talked about this at length off the air on our, on the podcast and and again the turmoil that you and I were talking about with the comics I have said for a while now and you know what disagree with me if you want but I've got you know I've got reasons to feel this way right. Marvel like you said their their movies have gotten so big they're ignoring everything else yeah. look at the comic runs in Marvel recently and I mean Hulk alone let's just talk about Hulk for a second okay so now Hulk I'm reading and Issue number three of the Hulk. I even said this on, on the on the, the Facebook page, uh, Facebook.com slash down nerdy. That issue number three brought me back. Like it, like I said, I had my three issue rule. Issue three, they pretty much apologized for the first two issues. They're right. like, okay, he's not mentally challenged. His health, you know, his his uh, healing factor repaired his brain. Took care of that. So now he's just figuring out who he is again. It's kind of like that. Like we, it's kind of like you know, again going back to X Men. It's kind of like, hey, we're sorry for everything that Brett Radner, all the evil he unleashed yeah, on the look, world. Yeah, look, Cyclops is here. Jean Grey's here. Yeah, kind of thing. and it's 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 just you know, I don't get it. I mean, you know, he leaves, and first thing he left. This was before I read up issue number three. I'm like, okay, it'd be great to get a new writer in there and stuff like that. Because I mean, uh, Jerry Dugan's gonna take over uh, after Hulk number four, right? And uh, then I read number three. I'm like. Oh, I kind of don't want Wade to leave now because, like, he uh, knew that people were pissed off about why and what they did to, like, Bruce Banner. But here's the question Did he write that wrong because he knew he was going out the door and he didn't want to go out the door like that? So he's like, Okay, I need to fix this before I get out. I think it was because he knew, I think a while ago at least, maybe he was going to be on the outs for Hulk. So he's just said, Screw this. Because when Dugan takes over, they're doing a whole new arc. We're right. doing the, the Omega Hulk. 
well, which is what surrounds Bruce Banner and the Hulk pretty much tracking down and hunting people who are also affected by gamma which radiation. Which that is a very cool angle that they're going to take. And then also you've got Kieran Gillian that's leaving the Iron Man, and now we're thinking... Could I, they're actually saying that Iron Man might actually end up being canceled because it's not in the August solicitations right now. Yeah, Marvel. and you know it also, or they haven't said they might be canceled. But also, you know, Iron Patriot. Well, you knew that wasn't going to last. They, they said that that is going to be probably canceled. It's going to affect that. Um, but no, they said that might number twenty nine for Iron Man might be withheld. They haven't said it might be canceled. But it's going to be withheld for now. But again, if they cancel Iron Man. It's really saying Marvel's like, yeah, we don't care about comics anymore. We're just gonna because it's like we got we already made enough money off of Iron Man from the movies. We don't need any more from the comics. And I get that you've got Iron Man involved in the Avengers and of course Original Sin that's going now so in major arcs. You can't not have an Iron Man standalone. You can't. Right. You just can't. You cannot not have Iron Man in your comics. Now it's their fault that it's been gar- it's been garbage yeah. for a long time. I just don't understand why Marvel's not going to dance with the one that brung him here. And you're going to... And I know that the reason for leaving, for Karen Gillian leaving, saying it's basically there's an enormous opportunity that's turned up. I'm paraphrasing here. I'll talk more about it when I can. Obviously, it's been a ride. Okay. We're talking about Iron Man here. Iron Man has never been hotter. Yeah. What is bigger than being able to take a character like Iron Man in your own comic and making it a fantastic story. So you're going to leave a character like Iron Man for what? Yeah, I mean, he's leaving after the rings of the Mandarin run, and it's like, you know, and him and Wade are actually going to be doing kind of a crossover for the original Sin, which, you know, of Iron Man and Hulk, which is going which, to be... Which is pretty interesting. Because in it's, theory it is, Because yeah. it's like, it deals with how Tony Stark created the Gamma Bomb that made Bruce Jenner... Or, uh, <laughs> wow, made Bruce, Bruce Jenner. Jenner. It took more than a bomb David, to make that guy. I can tell yeah, you that right yeah, now. David Banner. Wow. Um, or, okay, I'm going to try and wrap my mind around that for a second. Bruce, Bruce Banner. Banner. You Bruce got Banner. it. Okay. David Banner is a rapper. <laughs> so many banners. <laughs> That'd be another interesting thing. But, I mean, I just don't get it. And, and let, let's just pull on our own opinion too for a second. Okay. Let's say you're writing Iron Man. Okay. What would want to pull you? What would you? What opportunity could you get that would say, "Well, I got to leave Iron Man because this is too good." It's got to be something maybe where he's a showrunner for a TV show. That's like like a big new TV show they're doing. So is it possible? Or that, or some sort of movie role where he's like maybe like a head scriptwriter for a so Marvel movie. Could or we something? be talking maybe it, it's got something to do with uh, Agent Carter? Probably coming. I out. could see him doing could, some with Agent Carter. It could that be it? Because I mean, there's kind of a Howard Stark ish yep. tie in there, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess if you're going to go from comics to TV, that would be a step up. But still, I mean, it's still, it's freaking Iron Man. I don't understand why you'd want to leave that. So I'm very curious to see if this is going to be a major step up. Because if, if this person goes from Iron Man to write, like, Black Widow or something, yeah. it's not a huge opportunity. No offense to the character Black Widow, because they're doing good things with that comic, from what I understand. Right. That's one I'm actually going to pick up and see if it's, uh, if it's any good. But I just don't understand why Marvel's is they're ignoring their comics, and I think that that's a it's a huge mistake. And if they don't correct it soon, I mean, I know that their sales are good, but sales aren't everything, people. Right. Sales aren't everything. Look at Nick's talking about Saga. Saga's sales aren't through the roof, but I can tell you right now, it's a good book. A lot of people are reading it, and a lot of people are enjoying it. So there's making money, and there's making something that's enjoyable. And I think that David Goyer, 
maybe have enjoyed himself a little too much at a recent podcast appearance that he was on. Nick. Yeah, I mean Goyer. Now this has been getting one of those stories of getting a lot of heat. I think it's more of a misinterpretation of what he said. <laughs> I, got James the, is, I got the She-Hulk picture. I'm shoving it in Nick's face right now. Um, but Goyer, he appears. James said he appeared on the Script Notes podcast, and there's a tra- here's a transcript of what was said. Now Craig Madsen, who is the host of the Script Notes podcast, he said, "Quote: The real name for She-Hulk was Slut Hulk." The whole point was, let's make this giant chick with enormous boobs, and she's Hulk and strong, but not Hulk massive, right? She's real lean, stringy. Davis Gore goes on and says, she's still pretty chunky. She was like China from WWE. And Madison goes, the whole point of She-Hulk was just to appeal to sexistly to 10-year-old boys worked on me. And Gore, and this is where, I'll, this is, and I'll get on this afterwards, about what upsets me about this more than what Goyer said, but this is where he loses me, which is where I kind of like, I don't understand what he's trying to say. Gore goes, I have a theory about She-Hulk, which is created by a man, right? And at the time in particular, I think 95% of comic book readers were men, and certainly almost all the comic book writers were men. So the Hulk was this classic male power fantasy. It's like most of the people reading comic books were these people like me, who were just these little kids getting the shit kicked out of them every day. And so then they created the Hulk, She-Hulk, right? Who was still smart. I think She-Hulk was a chick you, would, you could bang if you were the Hulk. You know what I'm saying? She, She-Hulk was the extension of the male power fantasy. So it's like, if I'm going to be this geek who becomes a Hulk, then let's create a giant green porn star that only the Hulk could bang. Very good Mind job, you, she's man. Hulk's cousin. Yeah, that's... I mean, obviously he doesn't know enough about the character, and I know not everybody does. She-Hulk's not a major character, but I, I think part of the thing that, that upset me about this, and, and you and I have talked about this already, and, I, and I'm going to end up agreeing with the point that you're making later on, but the thing that upsets me about this is that, dude, if you're going to open your mouth and you're going to make a statement like this, you got to know enough about the character and yeah. the origin to... I mean, if you don't know She's about the origin, lawyer. you can't... She's smart. <laughs> you can't open your mouth if you don't know enough about the origin. Well, I mean, it's he Hulk's even said, cousin. This well, isn't... Yeah. You know, well, come on. I, I, well, he even said, he's like, well, she was still smart. She was still written smart. But it's like... It was when and Stan Lee responded by saying, never for instance, I want her to be a love interest for the Hulk. Right. And he goes on saying, quote, as for looking for beautiful, beautiful and curvy, show me a superheroine who isn't. Right. And he's right about that. And this is a point I made last night when we were talking about this. We were prepping for the show today. And I said, you know, I go, you look at Wonder Woman. Okay. Wonder Woman, in the early runs, even now, what's her main weakness? It's bondage. Yeah. You know? It's, it's in a lot of the earlier comics, if you watch that Superheroes Unmasked documentary, they talk about how, yeah, a lot of the stuff was very sexist earlier on. It was meant that, a lot of sexual bondage situations. Look at the time you were living in back then. I mean, there's been a progression for yeah. women in general and how they're viewed in society from back then to now. And it's a different world now, and as it should be. So I can understand why back then it was kind of like And I that. think the problem, now here's my two points I'm going to make. I think the one problem, the first problem is, Goy, the what Goyer and Madison were talking. Now this is just, these are just two guys like us, just shooting, shooting the crap and just trying to have make a couple jokes here right, and there. Right, exactly. There's no harm in that. But what a lot of people are getting lost in is you know Goyer when he's saying all these things about oh she's this she's that he's not talking about the character. He's talking about the people who created the character. Right. He's that's what he's getting at. Right. It was and I, listening to the podcast is one thing because you can be like, oh, he's a jerk. But when you read the transcript of what he said, mm-hmm. you can look at it and say, this is what he really meant. He actually meant, hey, 
the way that she was created back in the day, this when these comics were like this, this is what it was like. And there's a context there, too. You can read it and read it the way you think you hear it, and then you can hear it in the actual context in which he said it. Yeah. I mean, it, I think part of it, I think, was, was the words he chose yeah. when he was saying it. I think that, like you said... It was just a bunch of guys sitting around talking about a character. There's stuff that you and I will discuss yeah. off the air. That never in a million years will we discuss it in that context in the podcast. Right. Because it's different when it's just a group of guys talking and when you're actually recording doing something. Doing a podcast. It's there forever, dude. you got to realize that, too. Yeah. but I th- Now, here's my main, my, my biggest problem. Now, as a member of the media... Um, so as am I. As, as are you. You know, we both work in the media. This is something that bothers me. You know, I have my degree in journalism. I, I I go on these websites and I look at the story. I read the story. They cut out the first three, first four lines that I just read yep, in the transcript. They sure did. And they keep what do they do? They keep in that paragraph about him saying, "Oh, she's a porn star" and everything like that. Dude, that's journalistic. Loss of credibility right there because you're because you're slandering it to make him look like something he's not. You're slandering him to make him look like a sexist, which he's not. And you you know, I mean, I don't know him personally, but when you read the transcript, it's totally different. It's misleading. It's misleading. He's speaking more about how back in the day when women were created by men in comics, it was sent to be more of hey, let's put in these sexual situations rather than hey. This is who she is. Right. He was saying that's how it was back right. then. You know, as you mentioned, you know, back, women back then weren't th- thought about highly that's until right. even Wonder Woman came in. Even late into Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. you know, people didn't because it of took the Wonder Woman a while. It did. I mean, even even when you're talking about Linda Carter, I mean, it might have even stretched to that, or even a little bit after that was when Wonder Woman was finally seen as a serious. I mean, she was always a serious character. She was always one of the big three in DC. It, it, the, but the number one rule in journalism is if you're going to report the truth, report the whole truth. Yeah, that's what. Don't you're, cut something out exactly. of a sentence and make it something that it's not and blow it out of proportion. Now, I understand there's many people who won't agree with what we're saying. Of course not. Because, you know, people, well, how can I say it? But the thing is, you have to, like I said, you have to educate yourself and watch these documentaries about women comics mm-hmm. and, and how back in the day, they, like I said, they were written by men, they were drawn by men, they were put in these situations by men. It's, it's you know, that's what it was. Now, we're seeing more of it where it's not like that. Right. You know, we're seeing that in today's age where women have more of a prominent role right. in comics and are stronger characters as they should be. You know, you look at some of what Goyer said, and like I said, it's easy to take it out of context and mislead it. At first, when I first re- heard about the story, I'm like, wow, what a jerk. That's what is. I thought, too, because I saw the edited version. version. Now, the, here's two points. Here's a couple points that I want to make, and we talked about this. How much of this, first of all, the first point I want to make is, let's keep in mind that David Goyer is a Warner Brothers employee, yes, not a DC employee. So let's get that out of the way right now. Yep. Now, I know he works on DC projects, but he's a Warner Brothers employee. The other thing I want to say is, how much of this is a shot and a backlash to the whole Batman versus Superman versus Captain America 3 at the box office, Those the words were, have been traded back and forth. How much of it? How much of this is part of the? Okay, if you're going to talk about us, now we're going to talk about you. And I think it's a big point. I mean, you know, we talked about Sam Jackson on one of our very first podcasts, and what he said at a con lately, and he went about DC because he was asked about that. He said, "Well, you look at Marvel, we have everything. We have superheroes and villains. You look at DC, they have what? The villains and Justice League, and that's it, pretty much." Yeah, I mean, so the blood is boiling here still. I mean, yeah. this is a a big showdown that still may or may not happen, and we don't need to go back into that. 
But you know, people are upset. I mean, there's a ver- there's a it's more DC versus Marvel than yeah. it is the two movies versus each other. It's been that way for a while, but this these are fresh wounds still. So I'm sure that part of, that was part of uh, Goyer's thinking because he's personally connected to this project. Yeah, and there's a how dare you element there. So I'm sure he's upset and he let it get a little bit of the better of him. Maybe I think when you you know when you're getting a conversation about if you're a man or woman, you know what have you, um, it's easy to get lost in the moment. When you're saying something, you're just on a roll. And oh, definitely, going, especially going, if going. it's a group of guys, you know. Yeah, and it's just like you know, if it's, if it's negative or whatever, you just you get to talking. You know, you, for example, you're giving a speech and you tend to go off script and you go off into a whole other direction. Mm-hmm. Which you, which you, you, it's like it's kind of like you know, focus should be here, but it's just you're getting you're pulling yourself in another direction, which right. you should be going down. Right, and I mean, do do I agree with everything he said? Do I think there's certain things he shouldn't have said? Absolutely, I think there's certain Same, things he yeah. shouldn't have said. So we're not justifying what he said. What we're doing is saying, if, before you make a snap judgment, read the whole thing. And we're not we're not justifying. We're more explaining. Yeah, because it, it needs to be explained because it's easy to rail against this guy for what he said and not know the whole truth. Well, the thing is too is because we live in the age of social media, right? It's when you're on Twitter. And somebody posts a tweet saying, you know, screw David Goy or whatever, and they put this on. When you see that, you're not going to think about the opposite side. You're going to be like, I'm right. because you know, because you know, you're going to get a lot of backlash from people, and it's easy to get, you know, when you get when you say something that people might not agree with on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, people are going to come at you and call you different things and threaten you. It's not a pr- social media is a horrible thing for something like that. Not only that, but think about it this way too, because that's a good point. People will start with it's short span, attention span problem too, because people will start reading something, and then again, because social media is right there on our smartphones or our laptops are in front of us, you get a couple sentences in and you go, well, I'm mad now, and you start clacking away yep. on the keys and you hit send before you really know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, that's the big point too. Now, coming off of David Gore's comments... We're going to something a little bit more legendary. Speaking of getting flamed on social media. Yeah. um, So, Gareth Edwards, who directed Godzilla and the remake of it, well, he also just announced that he's going to be directing a new Star Wars movie. Spinoff, yeah. A spinoff, which will come out on December 16th of 2016. Doesn't know what it is. We're not going to speculate at this point. But, legendary... So, I was wondering, like, okay, well... Is he going to come back for Godzilla 2 or whatever? Well, Legendary Picture CEO Thomas Toll said this. He goes, The plan has always been for Gareth to direct a different film before we started on another Godzilla. But who knew it would be a Star Wars installment? We have great plans in store for Godzilla fans. I'm looking forward to seeing Gareth's imprint on the Star Wars universe. Now, the Hollywood Reporter also reported that Edwards is attached to helming a trilogy of Godzilla movies. And can I say this? I understand Godzilla made a ton of money, but... Second week out, sixty-seven percent plummet. It made thirty made thirty-one million dollars. And what does that tell you? It just a X Men rules, and b a lot of people. There's a lot of backlash. Not just me, right? But there's a lot of people. That's saying, the point I'm trying to make. A lot of people are saying, "Hey, I saw this movie and it sucks." To me, it doesn't matter what comes out the next week. Yeah. you should not. If it's, it's a, summer, if it's a good film. And it, it was done really well. You don't drop sixty six percent week two. It just doesn't happen. Well, I mean, Spider Man dropped seventy two percent second week. Think about it this way: 
we know, we could basically say now that Maleficent is going to beat out X-Men in this coming weekend at the box office. Because it's going to be on IMAX and stuff like that. It's a foregone conclusion that that is going to happen. But I think that because of the good word of mouth about X-Men and the fact that it was a good movie, I'm not going to guarantee because I'm not going to go there. But I can tell you right now that the X-Men, the drop for X-Men will not be near the drop for Godzilla. As a matter yeah. of fact, I'm going to go on, I'm going to estimate the drop for X-Men week two. I will 45, 50%. I'm going to say 55%. Yeah. About 55%. Because there's also the new Seth MacFarlane movie that's going to be coming out. A million Days so, of the Night in the West. And, and the people that have already seen X-Men aren't going to go back to see it, even if it's a, even though it was a very yeah. good movie. Because they're going to have other options. Well, I even say I loved Days of Future Past, but the only reason why I would go see it is just to see that two-minute shot right, of Quicksilver right. with time in the bottle playing in the background. And it's, not that there were, and it's not that there weren't plenty of other good things about it. It's just that, okay, I've seen it. It was good. Yeah. I've got other things I need to see, and I'm short on cash. Let's move on to this <laughs> yes. kind of thing. So, I mean, and that's the society we're living in. People aren't rolling over in, in money, so they're not going to necessarily yeah. s- see certain movies over and over again. So it's natural to drop about 50-plus percent, but 66% is a big drop. Especially when Godzilla had all his marketing and everything went into it. And it's freaking Godzilla. It should should have sustained itself more if it was a good movie. Yeah. Sorry, Godzilla fans, it wasn't. Well, speaking of being able to roll in money and just have a much better lifestyle... We're both college educated, right, James? We're both on the college. Oh, yeah. I got that degree on the wall. Yep, same here. And now... We live in Virginia. We all we both know of George Mason University, right? Actually, a rival of my alma mater, but I'll put that aside for this. <laughs> well, George Mason University is going to offer a one-in-a-lifetime minor. This is an innovative time. It's, it's an innovative degree. George Mason University is combining your sports manager computer game design, so you can work in the gaming industry when you're done, and you learn sports manager as well. Where was this when I was in college? I know, and this is from a major university. This is not a tech school or a specialty yeah, school. nothing not, against them. Not that there's anything wrong with that, because there's been plenty of talented folks that have come out of schools like that, but this is... I mean, I mean, all through the ITT tech commercials, Absolutely, hey. and they've done a great job, but this is a chance for you to go to a major four-year institute Yep. and get you know good scholarship money stuff like that yep. because that's not necessarily always offered at these specialty schools your chance to get a, a rounded education and do it that way in a major university it's a very interesting degree they're going to do what are some of the classes that are involved in this okay so to get a degree in sport and computer game design you're going to be required to take ready for this Game 210, Basic Game Design. Sports Management 201, Introduction to Sports Management, and also earn 12 elective credits. You have to learn, you have to earn 12 elective credits. That makes sense. So, some of the classes they're offering, Game 230, History of Computer Game Design. Yes. And Sports Management or 405, Sport Venues and Events, and Game 232, Online and Mobile Gaming. It's it's funny to me, though, how specific this is going to be. Yes. I mean, it's like, <laughs> guess what? You're going to make Madden. This is what you're going to do. Well, I don't think it's going to be more you're going to make men. I think it's more going to be like you're going to make the next Angry Birds. You're going to be because ma- I, well, mean, I mean, app gaming, is, yeah. app gaming, app gaming, independent gaming are a big niche right now. Not only that, think about this. Think about your major games. Like I'm going to take, I'm going to use Injustice as an example. Okay. Injustice Gods Among Us came out, but then they also have the mobile game. Yeah. That ties into the computer game or PS3 or whatever system you're, you're playing it on, it ties into that. So there's some of that going on here too where there's possibilities for the app gaming to bring you bring yourself into the console gaming world. See, now the thing is too is 
when I said, where was this when I was in college? Well, the thing is, too, is I can't draw well. And that's been, well, there's I, a reason for that. Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, if I have to draw a hand turkey, I'm screwed because I can't hold the pen and draw with the, my hand at the same time. Although you could get, like, one of those uh, Captain Hook-type attachments and put a pen at the go, end Go-go gadget arm. Go-go gadget not? artist. Why not? Why not? Let's just do that. Yeah, but Or I mean, you could just, I mean, if you, if you were a painter, could you just dip... I would dip that. and just throw stuff. That would be like, like the whack. largest finger painting ever. It would be. It would be, just be big polka dots <laughs> all over the canvas. It'd be hilarious. It'd be this amazing. is a Bataglia. Yeah, that, that's your special. It's just, it's just. But hey, <laughs> it's, it's like it's like it's like the handicapped Rembrandt. That's what I'll yes, be. I'll be yes, the handicapped Rembrandt. That's what it's gonna be. But no, I think that you have to be able to draw. And when yeah, you, you do. You, you do. You do. I mean, that's what's going on. I know a friend of mine who's my my a dear dear close friend of mine, my friend Danny. Uh, he actually went. When he first went, he went for like design, he went for like web design and stuff like that. And he says he calls me up one night and goes, "I have to, I have to change my major to uh, hotel restaurant management." And I said, "Why?" He goes, "I can't draw." <laughs> he's like, "I, he's like, I love my classes." He goes, "I can get the the programming down." He goes, "By just when it comes to having to freestyle draw things, yeah. I can't do it." Yeah. I mean, and that's a problem. Like when I was doing when I was going to college for computer science. They made me take all this math. Yeah. And, I, and they said, no, oh, you should just be a math major. I said, no, I don't like math. I might be good at it, but I don't like it. I yeah. don't want the math minor. Forget it. I'll just take speaking what I of, need and be done with it. Speaking of, see, like when I, when I went to school, I went to school for journalism and film and stuff like that. But I mean, my journalism, when I did my journalism classes, like, it was fun because, like, you had to write stories and stuff like that. Right. And it was really interesting. Um, but the film stuff, it was tough because. I mean, I love learning about aesthetics and history of film and everything like that, and I'm grateful for the education that I got. Um, however, when it came to directing certain projects, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that. Because it's like, you know, you have to get equipment, and sometimes you, you know, I teach you about, okay, you have to direct and edit and put together cast you need to mm-hmm. for a, a three to five minute short film, and you have a week. And it's like, well, so I gotta get equipment, but again, there's a lot of students on campus who are film majors, and... Depending on like what level, if you were a freshman or a sophomore, mm-hmm. you would have to get like last dibs on whatever equipment was there, and it was just to be like, okay, the equipment's not there. I gotta do something. I gotta find something. Right. I got okay. I gotta write a script. Like I said, I've written movies before. I've I've directed a lot of bunch of things. Um, but it, I will never work. I will never do a movie where I had to work with a cast again because, like I said, it was the whole we cast talked process. About that last week, yeah. the whole cast process, dude, sucks so bad. Um, I mean. So that's why I'm like, dude, I'll just stick to documentary filmmaking and just do it that way. Get a couple of my buddies in the car, my friends Josh and Dan, as I mentioned before, get in the car, go shoot stuff, and we'll do a documentary. That but, was There was a lot of that going on in the computer science world, too, because like when we were trying to learn the Oracle uh, database program, it was yeah. like, okay, well, we'll let, you, we'll let you have access to the database while you're on campus, but... If you want to do it at home, you've got to a. You've already got to get the hundred and fifty plus dollar textbook, and then you've got to spend another three to four hundred bucks to integrate the Oracle database system that you really need to learn on your on your computer. And oh, by the way, you also have to have a computer that can run it. I too. took I took a web design class um, for it was like a journalism class. It was like creating it was called creating content. It was creating content class where you know you create like Facebook pages and, oh, yeah. and websites and stuff like that and and. One of the things you had to do was you had to get the book, and it came with a disc, and the disc came with like Photoshop and just certain um, just basic tools. stuff. That, basic yeah, I know stuff. what you're talking about. But the thing was, the CD wasn't. You're paying three hundred dollars for this book, but the CD they give you is a demo, so you have like yep. X amount of hours for work. 
Yeah, and, and that was the frustrating thing with that too. Like one of the things that I had to do for my, uh, it was internet databases class. And they said, do whatever you want, which was nice and vague. So I appreciated that. So I built at the time before, this was before Netflix because I'm old. So what I did was I built a online video distribution site. Yeah. And it was obviously, it was it was more of like a beta type design because I wasn't launching this. It was just for a project. So I just needed something to do with the databases. But again, it was one of those things, well, well, if you're on campus, you've got access to X, Y, and Z. But guess what? Once you go home and you need to do the real work, all that last minute project work that we've all done when we went to college, guess what? You don't have that unless you want to spend the extra money on yep. it. Yep. And I mean, you know, students, we get, I mean, for example, like my stuff, you know, like I get, you know, I just found this out recently that the stuff that I did when I was in school, like all the movies, that's property of the school now. Yeah. How about that? And, but, but it's cheap. It's like if you want to buy back the rights, you know, you created the content and it's your own original idea. Um, that you gotta pay like a couple bucks to have the rights returned back to you, but I'm like, no, there's YouTube. I'm going to upload it. My stuff's not Oscar worthy anyways. I'm just gonna upload it, and I don't you care. You just want to preserve it. That's yeah. All it's just like you know, but preserving. But speaking of preserving things, well, this is our lucky thirteen, technically our unlucky thirteen mm-hmm. show. So we're gonna our main topic talk about the most unluckiest things in our lives, in comics and movies. You sure don't want to miss it. Everything's gonna be open. All the skeletons are gonna be out of the closet. I'm Nick, he's James, more down nerdy come up next. Oh, and oh my god, this is going to be so embarrassing. Well, 13 isn't necessarily a lucky number for us, unless you're on the Down and Nerdy podcast, but we wanted to talk about stuff that is that is cursed and just really hasn't worked out, not just for us, but in the nerd world in general. Exactly, and I mean, you know, there's a lot of things in my childhood that I thought that were unlucky, and one of them was, well, you know, speaking of characters... When I was a little child going through the store with my mother, who was here from New York, actually, by the way, um, she, we, we, I would go through the cereal aisle, and I would see two iconic cereal people. And they were Trix the Rabbit and Lucky Charms. Oh, boy. And they never got their cereal, dude. No, they didn't. Every commercial. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. Every commercial just unlucky. Just, hey, I'm going to get my, finally get my, my cereal. And it's like, nope, kids, just bring it back. And, it's, you know, I felt like, you know... My mom was like, I'm going to get my sanity back. And I'm like, no, mom. And I take it right back from her, and she goes crazy again. <laughs> well, so I'm sure. she can identify with tricks and lucky charm. I mean, and, and that's just the thing, too. And that always happened. And what about anybody that ever went up against the Scooby-Doo kids? Yeah. Anybody. It was unlucky for them. They always ended up getting unmasked. And it was always somebody. It was Those always some, Mr. Jenkins. It was always the most random person on the. It was like Farmer Joe. It was never yeah. anybody that was a main guy. So yeah. that's a really unlucky break. You've got the guy that you think is the main bad guy. No, it ends up being Farmer Joe. It's like the guess that Pokemon Pikachu. It's Clefairy. Nah. It's it's so unbelievable. As far as personal stuff goes, I remember oh that. Um, my mom used to take me to, to Toys R Us all the time to get the superpowers figures from DC that would always, and then always always release them in right. different, and I always, always get one or two of them at a time. So one of the cool things about these figures from, from back in the day is always the capes. They had the capes that you'd actually put on, so you know you get Batman, you could put on his cape, and there was like a little plastic clip that you could use to put the cape on the back of the figure. Well, right. you know, a lot of superheroes fly, so what I would do on the way home from Toys R Us so I would stick the oh, no. action figure out the window oh, no. and let the cape blow in the breeze, right? Well, unfortunately, I decided to not 
put my finger on the back of the of the cape of one of the figures because I just didn't think about it. I mean, this is highway driving, people. <laughs> now keep in mind that I'm about what six, seven years old. You're I'm a tiny pretty, tyke. I'm pretty young, so you know I'm not thinking about this sort of stuff. So the cape of one of the figures <laughs> comes flying off. <laughs> And this is on the highway, on the interstate. We're you talking like Massachusetts. Please tell me you did not cause a 10-car pile up because the cape hit the windshield and the car no, spun out. No, because it was a small cape, so okay. it wasn't a big cape. But okay. Ice cream bloody murder <laughs> at this point. So at this, I mean, you'd think I got shot on the highway or something <laughs> like that. And my mom's like, what's going on? I said, the cape flew off. We gotta go. I said, we gotta go get it. It's like, are you crazy? We can't go get it. It's gone. I'm like, it can't be gone. It can't be. So that was a little bit of an unlucky moment for me. I mean, for me, my personal thing is, there's two of them. Well, there's a lot, but um, (laughs) um, physically, um, when I was little, uh, my cousin broke my arm. (laughs) Now, I have one arm. So kind of unfortunate. Cracked, for you. He cracked my wrist bone. I imagine now the reason why it happened was I threw. We were playing basketball, and I threw a basketball at his head because I lost and I was little. And picked me up, dropped me on the on the pavement. Cracked my wrist bone. My mom comes out. What are you doing? Why are you crying? And I'm like my arm. And she's like, okay. So we go home. I go and sleep for about like an hour or two. And I go back down. And mom, I go, my arm hurts. Go to the doctors. You have a cracked wrist bone. I was in fifth grade. And I go, okay, put me in a cast. My dad's laughing his ass off because he's like, I can't believe you broke your only arm. <laughs> he's laughing. You have one good arm and you messed it and up. You messed it up. You blew it up. But it, no, it, then so a month, I was there, I was school for like a month because I couldn't, I couldn't. What could you do? <laughs> put the pen in your mouth? That's I not going to work. I, I was out for a school for a month. I had to be bathed. I had to be fed. It sucked. You're lucky that they didn't strap you in the back of the truck and go through the car wash. That would have been. <laughs> that would have been bad. <laughs> oh, it was. It was Why embarrassing. Why are you crying? You're my mom my, my mom, like I said, my mom's here from New York. My aunt and they're visiting me, and my mom's sitting in the chair, nodding her head, yes. Ah, she said he was put through the car wash. <laughs> ah, <laughs> the car wash. Yes, yes. <laughs> That makes perfect sense to me. Why not? It's yeah. a time saver. It's a time saver, exactly. Um, another time was I, I was uh, I, I played college football as my freshman year, and I ran a route and tore my ACL, and my football career ended. And I ran, I was fought bad to get back in the field, man. It was just like, dude, I'm like, you ever watch Hey Arnold? Oh yeah. I'm like Eugene from Hey Arnold, man. Everything that can happen go wrong physically. It is. I will tell you right now that one of the unlucky things for me, and, and this is more of as I've gone older. Is theme parks in general? Okay, so Cody would be like, Cody's would be like, let's bring James to Bush Gardens, yeah. I will say this: that the last time I went to Bush Gardens was for Christmas time. I took my wife there. Right. That was the only time I've ever gone to Bush Gardens and not ended up in the care center at Bush Gardens. I'm not even kidding. For some reason, every time I've gone oh, to Bush Gardens, Griff, oh, Griffin gave you a booboo. I have fallen ill in some way. I will not go into details because I don't think that you need them. But <laughs> let's just say I've ended up in the care center twice. I've seen it more times than I care to <laughs> care to mention. And even other theme parks as well. I was at a water park that's in the Virginia Beach area, and somehow when I landed off of one of the water slides. It busted my toe wide open. Blood everywhere. So what was their answer for this at this at this water park? Oh, just go to the go to the concession stand, get a few napkins, you'll be fine. I'm like, what? 
Really? <laughs> I'm bleeding all over your park. There's blood all over whatever pool I just got out of. Children think it's an attraction because so, they're following a little path. Luckily, there's nothing wrong with me that's going to get anybody else sick or anything. I'm, like, I'm, st- I'm bleeding all over <laughs> your theme park here. And you say, go to the pizza shack and get a few <laughs> napkins and you'll be fine? Uh, just stick your foot in some sauce. I mean, come on. I should have got some salt packets. That probably would have hurt. Oh, it would have like a bitch. Least. But hey, it would have worked at least. So, theme parks and me, yeah, not so much. But, I... You know, unlucky things. You know, I mean, you look at like all these characters and everything like that in games, and it's just Sonic is one because after the yeah. Dreamcast Sonic and Sonic Two, it was all downhill from there. Um, the games just sucked. Crash Bandicoot can't get a remake. No, nope. you're, really, you're kidding me. Can't. Maybe, but as of right now, no. Um, and then TV, it's like you know, you look at Pushing Daisies. I loved that show. A lot of people did. I Be- couldn't get it. Into it was it. very quirky, very different, and it it got seventeen, seventeen Emmy nominations. And, uh, you know, the Christian Chan with one for it. And it's just like, why? Like, they canceled it, like, not even mid into its second season. They did cancel it pretty soon. I, I mean, let's look at the movies, though. Fantastic Four. Both of those movies, well, I say even going back to the earlier movie that was an abomination, yeah. they're, they're not good. They're pretty no. bad. And this new one doesn't look like it's going to be any better. How about Two-Face? The character Two-Face. Every movie the Two Face has been in, he dies. Batman Forever, yep. he dies. The Dark Knight, he both dies. Both times he falls. I mean, come on. In both movies, he falls to his death. Exactly. Robert knocks him so, off, I mean, and Batman, he falls. Could you imagine being cast as Two Face in a later DC movie? I wouldn't want to do it because yeah. I'm just going to die. The Hulk solo movies. You have a better chance of surviving yeah. a Game of Thrones than it's Two Face in a Batman movie. A Game of Thrones wedding. Yeah. Let's just put it even further into that. I yeah. mean, the Hulk solo movies. What about, and here's one that I really thought about because I wanted to get one that was kind of a thinker. Okay. What about Gollum from Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit? Oh, yeah. He just wants, it's like the same thing with like tr- tricks. He just wants his little bullshit. Yeah, he gets he his friggin' have. ring stolen by Bilbo Baggins, and then in The Lord of the Rings, he has this whole split personality thing going on. So then there's that, and then he falls into the the fires of Mount Doom with the ring. And he's hugging it. Guess what? You got the ring back, but you're going to be burned alive in 15 seconds. So good for you. That's some real good luck there. I mean, unlucky things like that. You know, when you look at people and just unluckiest things they've put in. in. My mom. Um... When I was in college, I I was go, I go I I used to go back to New York every summer, and my mom was like, "Let's go to a movie because we haven't seen a movie together in a while." I said, "Okay, cool." You know, school ended, you right? Know, whatever. She said, "What do you want to see?" Oh Christ! Um, and then it's I'm I am sorry for having you take me to see this movie, X Men Origins Wolverine. I am sorry because that movie was a oh, pile gosh. of crap. And, and I even when we left the theater, I turned out like, "Mom, I gave her a hug." I'm like, "I'm so sorry." Like I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, that happened to my wife and I. We were uh, we were a big fan of the Mummy movie franchise with uh, Brendan Fraser. Oh God! And it had, it had been a while since because we, we hadn't seen the 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 new one yet. So we're like, <laughs> I was like, so honey, you want to curl up on the couch? We'll make some popcorn. And we'll just watch a movie, Dad. We'll just stay. And she says, okay. So we put in uh, Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Oh Jesus! I saw, I think we got 20 minutes in, and then we looked at each other and said. This is terrible. It was like, that reminds me of my, my, my brother and I. Uh, well, my brother, he ran an Electra one time. Oh, boy. He couldn't get it past 10 minutes. Went back to the store, dropped it off. And, and I'll tell you what, I love me some Jennifer Garner, but yeah. uh, yikes. Jeez. But my final, my final, um, you know, unlucky thing is another person that's my dad. Now, my dad, growing up, I had the NES. 
and every time I have to, you know how the NES it was like you literally had to press like twenty times to get it working. Oh yeah, yeah, blowing the cartridge. So I'll be playing a game, all of a sudden the screen go blue. And I go, Dad, game's broken, and you see him go, just mother, just swearing in the living room, like son of a, because he's like, I just like, like so he bought like the, you know, the cleaning things to clean the disc out, uh-huh, the cartridges. He's like, that. I just cleaned the damn thing, and now I got it, it's broken again. Jesus, pushing the thing again, and I'm just like, thanks, Dad, and he's like, God, Dad, I just want to talk. Walk out of the, he walks out of the thing, just all pissed. That's how our Sundays went for when I was a little kid. I could see that. Another thing was, okay, when you're a kid, and your kid's going to be the same way, we all have those little cassettes or CDs or songs that we just want our parents to play over and over. Oh, definitely. And over. And they do it with a smile on their face, but inside their brain tendons are ripping apart. They're going, mm-hmm. rip. Like, I love you, rip, bleed, rip. Bleed. I love you. I, I bleep, hate bleep, this rip. song. <laughs> you, just want, you just want the son to die in a fire, uh-huh. you know. But it's like or drown in a pool. But like my dad, I had this Ronald McDonald cassette tape. It was a two-sided tape, and it had little kid songs on it. And and <laughs> oh my god, I'm singing the Barney song right now. <laughs> Being tortured from. <laughs> I'm sorry, mother. Oh, wow. But my dad, it had these Ronald McDonald songs, and every time my dad, you know, he, we run a, we, we had me during the, I saw him during the weekends, and it would be like, hey, let's go for a drive and do something. And I would always play it, and we always play it, and he had a central console in his car where it would be, and I always take it out and play it. And he, okay, first couple of times, okay, and then he bought me another tape. There like multiple volumes of the tape, and he, I, again, over and over and over and over again, slowly but yet steadily. He started diving into into. He's being, losing it. He's it losing slowly. it slowly, and my dad has a quick temper. But like it was like okay, I do it my son. He's my son. I love him. But again, it's just like Nicholas. We're not listening to that cassette again. You do it again. He threw the ground me once. I wanted to play it. Let's talk about how Ronald McDonald was your One Direction. He was. How did that even happen? He, was. he really, really was. He he was my Biebs. He was. Oh, jeez. I don't know. It's got to be... The, it's, like, like Justin Bieber, it's got to be the hair. It's got to be that, that red hair that kept on bringing me back. At least Ronald McDonald, though, stayed normal. Yeah, not like that new Happy Meal character they have that yeah, scares that'll children. That'll scare kids more than the cassette tape does. I, can I saw that. that, and I spent the night in my shower crying. I'm I like, oh, we can make the, make, make the Happy Meal box go away! Make it go away! Yeah, it's... I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I know that they're, they're doing the whole. I I kind I do get it. They're trying to do this Despicable Me thing, but it's frightening it's and it frightening. needs to stop. But anyways, my dad had a center console and I was grabbing. He'd be like, Nicholas, you hit play, you're grounded. Didn't hit play, eject it, put it back. Okay. So one day I'm like, I want to listen to it. I go up center console. It's not there. My dad snapped it and threw it away. <laughs> so that was your the Family Guy episode with the bird is the word. Yes! Surfing it was bird. my surfing bird. That's your surfing bird, right? You just took it out. And office-spaced it. Took it out, office-spaced it, or Reservoir Dog style, just destroyed. Mr. He, he Mr. Blonde, my tape. Just destroyed the tape beyond possible recognition. And what's your un- last unlucky thing for a wrap-up uh, today? I, I gotta say that, and this isn't so much unlucky for me as it was for the folks, and I'm gonna call them out because... I have what I call a boycott list. Okay. And my wife makes fun of me for this. You also have a boy a band list too, don't you? Yes, I do, but that's private. Okay. So I'm Radio Shack and I have a very rocky relationship, but I'm going to explain why. Now, of course, Radio Shack back in the day used to sell a lot of computers. And now, granted, computers are very expensive right. back in the late 80s, early 90s. We're talking a couple grand here. So right. I was overlooking at 
a new computer. And because my mom was going to buy me a new computer for school. Right. So I'm looking at these computers, and I'm pretty computer savvy even though I, w- I was younger. Mm. So now I will say that this was blamed on a couple of employees and not Radio Shack as a whole. So maybe I'm ho- holding a little bit of a grudge here. So this, I'm, they're saying, well, what are you doing there, kid? And I said, oh, I was just looking at this computer. And the guy actually said to me something like, what, do you got a couple grand laying around in your in your little change purse there? Something else that he said? And he's Ooh. like, you can't afford this, son. You need to back away. And I'm like, okay. Okay. So I'm like goodwill hunting this right now because <laughs> oh, uh, how do you like how them, like them apples? apples? If I could have carried my whole desktop you're, 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 you're system. Probably like, Listen, you're going to be here at Radio Shack. Making eight thousand dollars, I'll be out here making games and, ma- and being number one on World of Warcraft, and you're gonna that's be here right. nothing. That's what you're gonna be doing. So that's what happened. Basically, my mom, a few weeks later, ended up buying me the like the biggest Mac Daddy computer system that you could possibly nice. buy. So I went back to the. Ra- I actually went back to Radio Shack and said, "Remember me?" And I'm a kid, and I still said, remember me. Well, my mom <laughs> just spent twenty five hundred something dollars on a computer somewhere else. So guess what? You'll never see me or any other member of my family darken your door again and think about all the money that i've spent in electronics equipment computers over the years that all could have gone to radio shack but sadly unlucky for you guys screw you guys i'm going somewhere else yes and (laughs) speaking of going somewhere else we actually have to be somewhere else so we're going to end this episode of down nerdy episode 13 but next week we're not going to say who it is, but we have a very special guest, and no, it is not Cody. This is big time. This is not going to be Cody. Not that Cody isn't big time, but no. this is a, a very special guest that you are going to want to stick around for episode 14 of Down and Nerdy for. Again, you know, hit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash down nerdy, at Twitter at down nerdy 757. I'm at Twitter at Nick Patagla25. James. I'm at James Ace with him. Of course, email us your fan questions. We are so psyched to get the Days of Future Past fan questions in. Email us at down and nerdy podcast at gmail.com. And remember, always support your local artists and your local shops as well. We can't stress that enough. But for this week, I'm he's James. I'm Nick. We'll see you next week, everybody, for episode 14.